Coming up on today's episode, we have Miami Marlins beat writer and reporter for Fish Stripes, Kevin Burrell, joining me on the show today to talk all things Marlins. Opening day is finally here. April is here. Baseball season is here. The Miami Marlins host the New York Mets today. Season is underway. We have a lot of great things to talk about. Kevin was with the Marlins for spring training. Got some great insight there. He gives us his take on what he liked from spring training, what he was worrying about at spring training. We talk about Jazz Chisholm and the center field experiment, how that's looking out. We talk some Sandy. We talk the pitch and rotation. And we talk about his X factors, who he thinks are going to be the X factors for this Miami Marlins team this season. Other great things to talk about. Also, fan expectations. What can we expect to see this season with the Miami Marlins? He gives his take on that and many, many more things. All things Marlins, all baseball podcasts. Baseball season is here. I'm fired up. Hope you are too. What better way to start off opening day and MLB opening week than tuning in to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast. Listen, jam-packed episode. It was a blast. Hope you guys enjoy it. All that coming up on the Miami Sports Vibes podcast. Welcome to the Miami Sports Vibes podcast, everyone. I am joined by my brother, Kevin Baral, over here joining me, just like he did last year at this very same time. Talking Marlins, this guy is the man to go to anything about Miami Marlins. And as you guys know, opening day is tomorrow. By the time a lot of you guys are listening, it's probably today, um, as this episode will most likely be dropping Thursday morning. Listen, Opening day is here. Marlins baseball is back. What a time. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. It's it's a pleasure to be back here. I think I was here maybe maybe just a year ago, the last time we were on to talk some Marlins. A lot, a lot has happened since now, but man, opening day, you have Sandy versus Scherzer on tomorrow, Thursday, or today, Thursday, when the folks are listening to this. Friday, you have Hazel Suzardo, and then Saturday is another fun matchup, Edward Cabrera versus Justin Verlander. So that should be exciting. It's going to be a fun week. New Marlins squad a lot, you know, has changed since through, through this offseason. A lot of additions have been made, and we'll talk about them. Yeah, definitely a lot of additions, man. And I know you've been you've been out there in spring training. Obviously, you're a Marlins beat writer. You cover, you cover the Marlins. You're a reporter for the Fish Stripes. Uh, do a phenomenal job, by the way. So I know you have seen this team very closely in spring training. What are some things you can share with me or get the folks excited about spring training? Even even if there's something that worries you, let us know the good and the bad. All right, let's start with the good. I mean, we saw the signing of Gene Segura. That's where I want to start. That was the first signing the Marlins made to play third base. We've seen this defense uh, from a defense that had Miguel Rojas. It was a pretty good defense. We saw it last year as one of the better ones in the National League. I'll say I'm not going to go to say Major League Baseball, but the National League was a pretty good defense overall. It had its good moments. That looks completely different. You have an all-second baseman deep infield. Gene Segura, main second base, he's not third. Joey Wendell, shortstop, he's a, he's supposed to be a second baseman. Luis Arias, he's a first, he's a utility type, you know, first baseman. He's at second. And now you have Garrett Cooper, obviously. And now you have Jazz Chisholm. That's the big, we'll talk about that one for sure. Jazz is going to center field. He was a primary second base, all-star second baseman starting for the National League. He goes over to center field. But I want to talk about Gene Segura, who has impressed me a lot this spring, Nando. I mean, 
you gotta uh, you gotta look at Gene and from the start of spring where he kind of struggled to the end, and that guy was just hidden, man. And it was exactly what they brought him in for. And he looked good at third. You look game by game, he looked a lot more comfortable. Yes, obviously, you know, you get the 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 pain through working through a new position or a position you don't play as much because prior to spring training, he'd only played, I believe, just under 30 games at third base throughout his whole major league career, which it is a very, very long career. And now just looking at the other side, Luis Arise spent most of his time with the WBC with Team Venezuela, hit two bombs at Lone Depot Park against USA. He's looked all right. I'm not going to say he's looked great. He hasn't looked bad defensively, which is encouraging, but he has had his errors. And then I guess the big disappointment in that infield has been Joey Wendt, just not a good spring training, man. He's, hit, I think, hitting one something. Super un- discouraging to see from a guy like Joey Wendell, who is known for his contact. And then you go to the outfield. The outfield is a weird situation here. We all expected someone like Jorge Soler to be taking the primary DH, kind of like we saw with the Atlanta Braves when he got dealt and just went nuclear for them. And that won't be the case. He's going to be probably just starting left fielder tomorrow, opening day. You'll have Avi at right, but has also been taking a lot of reps at left field. And obviously have Jazz Chisholm, who probably won't be moving from center field anytime soon, despite, you know, anyone wanting Jazz to go back to second. That will not happen. He, he will most likely go to stay in center field, go through their growing pains. And this is what I want to say with Jazz in center. We'll probably talk about this more, but... He's playing at Roger Dean Stadium, probably one of the toughest spring training stadiums out there, I would say. Pretty tough to hit, pretty tough to field. You just look, the sun's blaring at you the whole time. You're going to Lone Depot Park, where you're going to play the majority of your games there. Obviously, that place is a domed roof. You're chilling, you know, artificial grass. There should be no excuses from what we've been hearing, Josh, because I know you've been hearing the excuses, Nando, that he's been making with the grass, the sun, trying to dupe this guy. That won't be, those won't be valid now come regular season time, especially now that you're in Lone Depot Park, which is one of the newer stadiums in Major League Baseball. And, you know, pitching has always been great. You have Sandy as your Cy Young, unanimous Cy Young ace leading it off with Jesus Luzardo, who I do expect him to be in the contention for the Cy Young this year. I'm very high on Jesus Luzardo this year. I made bold prediction on Fish Stripes that he will be finishing top five in the Cy Young voting. So I hope that comes to be. I think Edward Cabrera is going to be really good. Very surprised to give him that third spot. You know, with Trevor pitching so well in spring training, I know he didn't look too good in that little scrimmage that they played, I believe, was on Monday. They had a scrimmage. He did not look good. Give up a homer to Jesus Sanchez. Give up a homer to Yuli Gurriel. Just didn't look good. But he looked good during spring training against other teams, specifically Tampa Bay. He looked pretty good. I know he had another good outing against the Mets, I believe, during spring training. He's looked good. And then you just keep going down the rotation. Johnny Cueto, despite the bad start, you know, not only during spring training, but the WBC yep. did not look good. He still hit 94 a couple times, got a strikeout on a 94-mile-per-hour pitch. It's just going to take some time to get in use for him with the new pitch clock. You know he has his little shimmy. He did, We really did not see that during spring training. We did see it during the WBC, though. So there's a lot to take away from this team, but that's kind of just the general consensus where I'm at, where this team has improved offensively. But defensively, it has definitely depleted, as you notice. We've seen the errors from this team. And I think this team is going to be a fun team to watch. It's not going to be one of those easy teams that you're going to go into Miami and expect to sweep. I think they're going to go in there and they're going to put up a fight. And I said this, I've said this on many platforms before. I think the Marlins could be what the Brewers were last year. That is what you want the Marlins to be, a team that's in it fighting for the playoffs until the very last day of the season. Now, doesn't mean that it, that's going to happen because you have a new manager with Skip Schumacher 
Parker, completely new staff. Now, that would it be impressive if you get 78 wins, maybe 80 wins? That would be extremely impressive, and you have to start considering in that case. Skip Schumacher is a legitimate manager in this league, and not only that, but maybe could even win the NL Manager of the Year in that case, kind of like what we saw with Joe Girardi in that one year. Right. Yeah, no, I was actually, for, um, first of all, a lot of encouraging things to look forward to for Marlins fans, for sure. Uh, the pitching rotation, especially, which you talked about. And you were high on Lazardo even last season before the season starts. So I, I like that, you know, you're staying true to your guy. And if he could finish in the top five, that would be absolutely amazing. I mean, the dude, is, he's got good stuff. He showed a lot of flashes last year. So I think if he could really take another a leap in that uh, right direction this year, that would be big time. Edward Cabrera, I am very, very high on. I think he's got some good stuff. I'm excited to see him. I was definitely surprised that he got the third spot. but. Let's see how he does. I mean, we'll get a good, nice look at him very early on this weekend against the Mets, a good Mets team. So we, we shall see. Uh, I did want to talk about Jazz, but you mentioned about um, our new uh, skipper in town. So Don Mattingly, you know, a lot of people were starting to get a little bit over him towards the, towards the tail end last year, especially last year. You know, there was rumors about him and Sandy not seeing eye to eye. Uh, I'm unsure if that's completely true. But what what do you think about Don Mattingly and his time here? Was it time to move on? Do you think it was the right move? And what do you see that this new skipper will bring in to this Marlins team? I'm going to start with Don Mattingly, the person. Don Mattingly was a phenomenal human being, great guy, always treated the media well, no issues with him in my year covering the team in person. Um, just never had an issue with Donnie. I'm a great guy, no issues. Manager-wise, it was. I think it was time to move on. I mean... He, I, not not to the point where a new voice needed. Maybe, yes, that is point true because of the team meeting we saw throughout the year. I mean, just me, myself being in there almost every single day or every other day, you notice that the clubhouse tensions were kind of high. It wasn't what we saw at the start of the year compared to right now where the clubhouse looks great. It's it's great vibe. We'll get to that later. But, yes, I think it was time to move on from Don. Not only that, just the questionable decisions he made. You kind of noticed he was back into that retro style of baseball the old time, trying to adjust to new and just going too analytically deep into games. And that's kind of where, you know, obviously you, you want your best players out there. And that's kind of what Skip is going to start doing here. We look at the closer, for example, closer by committee. That's something I think is going to be great for Miami. You bring in closer experience with Matt Barnes. You have AJ Puck, who they brought in from JJ Blade. You, you made a couple of nice moves. Now, what Skip wants to bring in or implement in this case is having your best reliever out there. Obviously, you're going to look at matchups. You have to look at the analytics and all that stuff. But you also have to look at who is the guy you want to bring in in this situation. If A.J. Puck has been your best reliever and you want him in the ninth, that is who they're going to bring in the ninth, for example. If you want Matt Barnes in that situation, he's going to put it – Use obviously, analytics are going to be needed, needed to use be used obviously because that's just not part of baseball in today's game but you're bringing in someone like skip who who's going to do that for sure and don just didn't do too much of that he went too analytically deep in my opinion but donnie i think it was time to move on from him just i think now does he still deserve a, gen, a, a manager spot i think he does i think he does deserve to be the manager of a team but we kind of started seeing his issues from la transpire to the marlins he couldn't manage a bullpen well in la and he did that with the marlins the lineups were a little bit questionable I mean, you look at his early back as the second day, the second game of the season. Jazz Chisholm was not in the lineup after hitting a bomb that first game against the San Francisco Giants to take the lead in that game. He was hitting ninth. So it was just very questionable moves. 
Now, so far, Skip has done a good job. I really haven't disagreed with many of his lineups, nor many of his decisions, obviously, bearing at spring training. And now this first week against the Mets is when it's really going to matter. But I I think Skip is the right guy for the job. And not only that, when they introduced, you know, these new baseball metrics, he was still playing. I think it was 2015 when they introduced, you know, like baseball savant, all these analytics, the launch angle, all that stuff. Now we see today. He was introduced while he was playing. So he's someone that could relate to these analytics. He obviously is a pretty young guy. So he could still relate to a lot of these players, the player himself, two-time world series champ played on the Dodgers played on the Cardinals, Cincinnati Reds. He is, he's the right guy. And just looking at the staff, he brought around him, John Jay, former, you know, Miami hurricane himself knows Miami very well. Bilingual, very good coach here. I'm very happy with that hiring. You bring in Brant Brown, the, former assistant hitting coach of the Los Angeles Dodgers. You could really put him as one of the reasons why Cody Bellinger had the success he had towards the start of his young career with the Dodgers, winning an MVP, winning a rookie of the year. Brent Brown has been a phenomenal guy. In, and I won't say I wasn't in the player, but I will quote this. And he told me this Brent Brown is legit. So just so just saying that it, it really comes to say that this guy has, you know, reportedly scrapped what the Marlins did last year. And they, and he's bringing in a new hitting philosophy, which really does explain a lot of the free agent signings hit for contact first. And if you hit well enough, you're going to hit for power with this team. And that's why they brought in someone like Luis Arise, who had won the batting champ is the batting champ for the American league. I think he could has a good shot to win it again, go back to back. You have Gene Segura, who's another contact hitter. Although he didn't make the roster, Jose Iglesias, still a phenomenal contact hitter. Hit, I believe 292 last season, cracked 300 on some other teams past. And, you know, although it's the course field effect, it really wasn't. He was a better hitter away than home. So that just shows how good of a hitter he is. Didn't make the roster. Yuli Gurriel, who was the 2021 AL batting champ, another guy who really has diminished his power a lot as he gets older into the twilight of his career, now just hitting more for contact, looks good. So you, you, I'm very encouraged with Skip Schumacher. And yeah, I do believe it was time to move on from Donnie, not saying that he was a bad person by any means. He was a great human being loved by everyone this was probably one of the more mutual partings the realistic mutual partings you'll see in major league baseball not in terms of donnie was fired no he this was i think something very mutual from both sides uh, that's good to hear excellent stuff i'm excited for the for the new you know it was it's time for to make a change sometimes so you know maddenly had a long little tenure here and it's just time to move on and so far i like what i'm seeing from skip and like these additions that you mentioned i think they're going to be huge you know people that can put the ball in play and get the ball in the field not necessarily people you're looking to you know hit home runs left and right but put the ball in play get some runs scored like let's play a little old school ball Jazz Chisholm. I mean, it was it's only a it was only a matter of time before we talk about uh, yeah. the, the superstar himself that everybody loves, the fan favorite Jazz Chisholm, that electric personality. We all root for Jazz. We love Jazz. Just a player like that is a player that baseball needs. It it's what brings fun, excitement from the fans, the way he connects, interacts. But a lot of issues have gone have been happening since he's moved to center field. So like you mentioned earlier on the pod, he was an all-star second base last year, uh, did a phenomenal job. He's awesome as hell to watch. Um, now he's moved to center field. He said that he looks up to Ken Griffey. He's been talking to Ken Griffey in the offseason. He wants to be like him or similar to him, and he wants to do big things in center field. He's taken on the challenge, his approach about it. He wants to be out there in center field. 
had some struggles in the preseason. What do you think about this experiment with Jazz going to center field? Do you like it? Are you worried? Is he going to get it together? What's your take on Mr. Jazz Chisholm? This is something that was brought up in the 2021 offseason when we had the MLB lockout. And just something, you know, it's just an idea you threw out there. Oh, okay. You know, jazz. All right, cool. And it's an idea that just became a reality, you know, um, jazz is athletic enough to play. He's fast enough to play center field. That's not my issue. I think he's going to transition pretty well, to be honest, no matter how bad he looked out there in spring training. He, he, if, if he could do, if he could just grab the ball, they're good. Cause he has the, the, the athletic ability to go out there and do it. Now the question is how much confidence is juiced into him to the point where he could crash into the outfield wall, hurt himself, make a, slot, a diving catch. That's going to hurt himself. Jazz Chisholm only played 60 games last year for the ones who don't know. He fractured his back. He had a meniscus injury from spring training, I believe, or some type of injury that just started in the spring training, got all the way to the end. He he's a very injury prone player. Now, when he's on the field, he's phenomenal. He's a great player. No, no other way to say it. He's Jazz Chisholm Jr. Um, the MLB the show cover. So you you just gotta really be careful with jazz. Now already, I think he's already kind of injured with the cramps, shouldn't be an issue. He'll be out in the, he'll be in the lineup tomorrow, no problem. Most likely as the third hitter, maybe even second, if I had to guess. But um, I like the move. I like the move. Now, does this mean that Miami shouldn't be looking for a center fielder? No, you gotta look for a center fielder. I know we've mentioned Brian Reynolds many times. There's other options out there you could definitely go out there and get, but right now Brian Reynolds is the obvious one, although it looks like Pittsburgh and Brian Reynolds, maybe we'll get that extension done. I'm not sure, but that's something that you could definitely see out there happening. I like Harrison Bader from the Yankees. He's injured. That would be someone who I would love Miami to acquire. That would be a phenomenal, you know, just grab for, for Miami. Besides that, if you're looking for center field depth, you're going to have to go to the Cuban Victor Victor Mesa, who's in AAA, and that has not been a good experiment whatsoever with him. Huge signing bonus, just no know what to say, but he has sucked. And then you go deeper, you go to his brother, Victor Mesa Jr., who's going to be in double A, so no chance of him coming up anytime soon. You have some other defense for replacements, Jake Mangum out there, who was acquired from the Mets in the, I believe, I want to say the Eliezer Hernandez trade, or so it was a trade with the Mets. I think it was the Eliezer one where they acquired Jake Mangum. He had a phenomenal play out there in the outfield. Game one of spring training, he's in AAA. Really just not much Brian Miller out there as well you could put in center field. So center field depth is very slim. Dela Cruz could probably play some center field. We know we saw Sanchez out there last year. I would not want Sanchez back out in center field. That experiment, we all mm. saw it. It was. I think it ended right when Kevin Kiermeyer hit that inside the bar home run against Tampa. Uh, Dela Cruz could pull it down. You have Peyton Burdick, I know, who is a absolute triple-A slugger. That guy kills it out there. Yeah, he has some amazing raw power. I would love to see him up here in the major leagues. So, yeah, I think it's a good move. You know, I know a lot to disagree with it, but I think you have to give it time. You have to let him go through the pains of the learning pains of center field. And, you know, to be honest, that is one, that is probably the toughest position to play on the on, out there in, in major league baseball, maybe aside from the catchers, but you, you know, it's a very difficult position. You could, you, you could argue it's the second hardest position. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm excited for the experiment. I want to see how this all plays out. That's of course, until, you know, hopefully it doesn't cost us a game, then I will probably start feeling a little bit different. But yeah. I'm excited to see the experiment, man. I, I love his confidence. I really hope he has a good year. He talked about it on, uh, I believe it was Jeremy Tache's podcast. He was saying, 
you know, that he wants to lead the league in hitting and that if it wasn't for him injured, he thinks he could have could have done it last year. And I, I just love the confidence, whether that's true or not. Listen, you being confident goes a long way and absolutely rooting for Jazz. Hope to see him, you know, solidify himself as as a center fielder. That would be nice to see. Speaking of center fielder, though, man, I, I've been thinking about this. I don't know if it's time to meet, for me to flip the page, but I've been thinking about this now for it's about, it's about to go to two years now. I mean, we just had a center fielder that, you know, made all-star teams, won gold gloves, was batting 300, wanted to stay in Miami, made it clear that he wanted to stay in Miami, and we let the man go in Starling Marte. Can you just remind me, like, why why did we not give him the the money that he wanted? And he it seemed like he didn't even he wasn't even going to take as much as the Mets gave him. Yeah. So the case was this: Miami wanted Marte. Marte wanted Miami. He had mentioned he wanted to stay. They just didn't meet on the right price. <laughs> That's what it ended up being. I'm not sure what the original price was. I know it was maybe forty at the time. And Marte's now being paid almost eighty million by the Mets. Miami made mm-hmm. the trade to a acquire lot. Jesus Zardo, which still looks like a great trade today. You trade someone like Starlin Marte, who's kind of had the injury bug, but still had a great outing with the Oakland A's after. Didn't make the playoffs, but still looked great. Led the league in stolen bases, I believe, or led the AL and NL, something like that, in stolen bases. And you acquire Jesus Zardo, a young, controllable pitcher, which now we're seeing him really be himself and possibly even win Cy Young's and all-star going to all-star games, you know, you, you, and then Marte, Miami tried to bring back Marte. I can tell you that that really would, the, what Miami originally wanted was to bring in Avi Garcia, Strong Marte, and uh, I believe Nick Castellanos. It was those three. That would have been Miami's outfield, or I think it was either one of Marte or Castellanos. But Marte, um, you know, great offer for Miami. I believe it was $68 million for Miami for four years. Right. Now, if Miami could have pulled that off, it was maybe a, a great fleece, you could even call it. At the time with the trade, you, now you have Luzardo and Marte. But the Mets gave him the more money. And you can't go up against Steve Cohen and the Mets when you're going up with money. You saw what he did with Verlander, with Scherzer. Now you have Sterling Marte, Mark Canna. You have Francisco Lenore with the extension. I mean, those guys aren't playing. You you really can't compete with the Mets in any aspect yeah. when it comes to free agency. So the fact that he left, it hurts. It really does hurt. But now you come to the question is, which is, why didn't they do this in season? Why didn't Miami do this in season when you're obviously going to pay him $68 million? You were going to make that offer in free agency. Why didn't you do the right offer he wanted in season? I, and right. I know the value for Marte was sky high at the time, which it was. And, you know, it ended up being sky high as it got Luzardo, but you had the opportunity to not be in the position where you are today. Starlin Marte, not only was he a great player, but he was a great clubhouse presence. And I think that's what people miss from someone like Marte jazz Chisholm jr. Loves Starlin Marte. That guy would talk very, very highly about Marte a lot. So now we just have to wait and see what happens. But Marte, now with the Mets, no longer even playing center field. So he, I believe, in right field or left field. He's in the corner spots. Uh, injury bug has hit him a little bit. He had a nice first season with the Mets, made the all-star team for the love of God. And um, he's probably going to do it again this year. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just because it's rare for you know us to get a guy that good performing 
you know, clutch hitting and wanting to stay. That's why it just makes me like, ah, oh, man. But, hey, at least we got Lazardo out of it. And like you said, this guy seems to be turning the corner. Uh, might set himself up for a very big year. So we'll see. We'll see how Lazardo does. Maybe that'll make, us, make me personally feel a lot better. What about farm system, guys? <laughs> farm system, guys, to keep an eye on. No. Is there anybody that you can tell me, you know, who, who should I be looking out for next? So Miami's farm system isn't as good as it was, you know, a couple years ago. You obviously have the name Yuri Perez, who is the top guy in that system. Um, he will be starting now with triple with double A Pensacola. Very surprising move. I expected him to move up to triple A. Not the case. That's fine. Doesn't really matter. I think the big name you have to look out for really is Jake Eater, the number five prospect according to MLB Pipeline. I know he now was set back big time with an injury with uh I don't know what exactly what the injury is. He had a walking boot on. That's all we know. But number five prospect it probably would have started with double A Pensacola. He was coming back from Tommy John. What we saw from him in 2021 was just lights out. There's no other way to say it. Just dominance from Jake Eater. I think this guy has the chance to be really good. I saw him make his first live appearance back from his injury in a scrim game. Velo was good. The only issue was obviously his command, but that's something you really just fix throughout as you go. And I guess the name everyone wants to know about Jacob Berry. That's the number two prospect, according to Pipeline. Highly disagree with that, but it's fine. Um, Barry cannot play third. He is not a good third baseman. He is very uncoordinated. I think his best bet will be putting him at first base. He'll be, he will begin the season with high a Beloit. I could see him there. I think that's where we're going to see him first base starting for high a now defensively. He's not good, but offensively, Jacob Barry could be a really nice bat. I mean, we saw what he did with LSU. We kind of saw what he did at the start of the season with the Marlins, not too strong, but I think, you know, throughout spring training, he's looked good. Um, he's looked good. No other way to say it. Um, just very excited. And I now want to go a little deeper into the list. Giddy Cape, number seven prospect for the Marlins. Shortstop. I hope he stays at shortstop. He feels good there. This was his first season stateside. I expect him to start again with high A Beloit. He is the Cuban prospect. I am very high on Yidi Cape. I believe he should be the number two prospect in the system. If I was making the rankings, I think he's that good. I he was the minor league player of the year last year for according to the Marlins. Um, just kind of go down and look at other guys. Jacob Miller, you have Jacob Amaya. That was the player acquired in the Miguel Rojas trade. Very good defensively. He's even been called a younger Miggy Rowe with a better bat. And that is exactly how I see it. Jordan Groshans, who was acquired in the Anthony Bass trade along with Zach Pop. And then I guess the name you may want to hear more about Nando, which is Sixto Sanchez. He's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of coming back. I mean, not ex- I don't know exactly when he's going to throw. Uh, he's thrown a couple bullpen sessions. Unfortunately, I've not seen any live, but still excited to see what he could do. I mean, at this point in his career, the best bet would be long reliever. And if he has his velo back, it would be kind of a closer's rule, which still is nice to see. And maybe even kind of a swing man type of player for the, for the Marlins. And I mean, just to give you names, you may have never even heard of Jose Gerardo, Anthony Piguero, Marco Vargas. You have Ronald Hernandez, all DSL guys who I expect them all to come stateside. I'm still trying to work. I'm still working to confirm that. But those are guys who just dominated last year in the DSL, hit absolute bombs, got it going. I mean, Marco Vargas, when I spoke to senior international, uh, senior international scouting director, Adrian Lorenzo, he told me this guy was just signed because they needed roster spots. Now, not taking away the talent he marked someone like Marco Vargas holds, but Marco Vargas ended up being the DSL player of the year. So that just shows how good someone like him could be. 
Now, just going really lower into the layers, so you look at the catcher position, really slim in the organization, but kind of slowly but surely building up. Paul McIntosh, uh, Marlins Twitter favorite. Um, I don't know exactly what level he's going to start with. We saw some rosters would not see him with AAA. I expect him to start with AAA. Now would be highly disappointed if he doesn't, just in terms of the development that this team has, which that is a whole conversation for, an, uh, for a different day in Ando. <laughs> And then we have Troy Johnston, who I, you know, a very tough spring training, one of the greatest human beings you'll ever meet. If you go to my Twitter, the pinned comment, the pinned tweet is going to be my interview with him this year, spring training, phenomenal human. He's looked good um, after with the spring, with the minor league spring training, expecting to start with AAA. Hopefully he gets it going. Um, That's really about it. I mean, do you have other names? Cody Morrison, Nassim Nunez. Ian Lewis, how can I miss him? And Khalil Watson, I know people want to hear that one. Khalil Watson will start with high A Beloit. I expect good things from him. Um, you know, hopefully he can mature to the point where he could play Major League Baseball on the constant, on the consistency every day. Ian Lewis from the Bahamas, I expect him to be a nice piece. Also with high A Beloit. All right. That, hey, that that's a good little. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. I wanted some insight in the farm system, and you absolutely nailed it on the head. And you mentioned my boy Sixto, man, somebody who. I freaking, oh boy! Ah, I love so much this first year, and then man, how things have changed. But hopefully, you know, a long relief. I'll take it, man. I want to see him out there. I want to see what he's got, uh, especially at the big league level. But it's been a, a disappointment. We're almost at the tail end of this episode here. I want to ask you a few more questions before we wrap up. What should fans' expectations be this year with this Marlins group? I think the expectations should be. It's it's so hard to set an expectation for this team because to be honest, you just want to see improvement. To yep. be honest, I mean, we saw improvement in terms of the record. Now you want to see improvement in terms of this offense. Tomorrow's offense was arguably the worst in major league baseball last season. I do not care what the stats say. The Marlins offense was horrid. When you're losing games one to zero with Sandy Alcantara on the mound, pitching all nine innings, Sandy's second to last start. That is the perfect example of what the Marlins offense was. Sandy went all nine innings according, you know, as the away team, it, it works a little bit different, but Sandy went all nine innings. Miami was unable to win that game. And that's been the case really a, a, a lot this year but now with the top of the order with arise segura jazz you have garrett cooper who's looked really good thus far in this spring yuli gurion on your bench hopefully at some point i would love to see jose iglesias come on the roster you're expecting more offense you're expecting guys to produce high on base percentages and also high walk rates so you feel really good there i think this team should be aiming for the 80 win marker I think if Miami could get 80 wins, that would be my expectation. Do I think they'll get to 80? No, I think they'll get as close as 78, which is still very impressive. Nonetheless, with a first year manager and Skip Schumacher, you're going to notice at least a 10 win difference already there from 69 to 78. It's about a, it's a nine game win difference. You could even go as high as 80. I think Miami could also project to if this team just clicks perfectly, Nando, they could probably go to the 85, 86 win range and make the playoffs. Oof. That would be freaking exciting. That's if they click, though. And right. I, I, yeah. I highly doubt that. But. A lot of things have to go right there for sure if that could happen. But you, you're definitely looking for improvement. You know, you want to see improvement in the win columns. You want to see improvement in the offense because, I mean, <laughs> Sandy, just watching Sa Sandy dominate night in and night out every time he took the bump and seeing this team where he would lose a game 1-0 
he he would what he pick up he even picked up a loss one zero I think a couple times like that sucks man for a guy that just works his ass off you know he just goes late in games he's he uses his pitch count like so so well doesn't strike out a lot of guys but he just eats innings man eats innings complete game and he wants to win you could tell and I'm like damn man like we can't even give him one damn run you know yep. <laughs> uh, and if any we give him one and that's about it it's rare you get any more than that and it's just a damn shame so definitely want to see this offense um you know get sandy some damn wins man at least at least help him out he's busting his ass <laughs> and uh sandy's been such a freaking joy to watch uh so far as a marlin i'm excited to see him this year bouncing back off that off that Cy young so you do think let's say they get to they get to that 80 win thing the, is what how many wins do you think is enough if the Marlins could sneak into a wild card spot? Just say I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but how many wins do you think it takes to sneak into the final wild card spot? Final, okay. Now that makes it a little easier, but to be honest, I mean, okay, Phillies last year needed 86 or 87 to sneak in. So you'd kind of be looking Damn. around that number. And on top of that, teams improve. The NL the True. NL Central. It's probably the worst division in the National League, but when you look at it, a team has to make it from there. <laughs> you you can't go there without saying a team. Probably the Cardinals will make it from there, but then you have a team like the the, the Cubs who've improved. They bring in Dansby Swans, and you get Jason Tylon. You you improve, and then the Pirates. They I think the Pirates are going to be a sneaky good team with the young talent they have. As bad as they may look on paper, I think they're going to be pretty good. Then you go to the NL West. Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and even the Diamondbacks. I think I think the Diamondbacks really sneak into a wild card spot. So there's your competition. Miami will need to have at least 80, 88 wins to sneak into a wild card. Now we, we could see regression from other teams. The Phillies, they won't have Reese Hoskins for the year. They won't have Bryce Harper. You're obviously going to see some offensive regression unless Trey Turner makes it up for that. So we'll see. But I, I think Miami's going to need a, around the 88 win marker. That is a that's a that's a lot of wins. <laughs> that is a that's a lot of wins uh, coming from the win total last year. All right, I want to ask you. Let's say you had two X factors for this Marlins season. If these two players do their thing, you can see a very very good improvement in this team. I know it's a team sport. I know it takes way more than two guys, but let's just have some fun with this. Two X factors. You think if these two exceed expectations? The Marlins are on their way to some good things. First of all, I'm going to go with Jorge Soler. Uh, when we saw Soler go down, not that he was going to exceed expectations, but he was going to put up, go up to expectations, obviously. He was projected to get 30 homers. Um, you know, his defense was good. To be honest with you, I thought he was good defensively. It wasn't the worst thing we've seen out there. And then the other player I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with hmm, second player. I'm going to go Joey Wendell. I think if one after such a disappointing spring training, if one could just exceed expectations or even just live up to it, you feel a lot better about the shortstop position. All right. All right. I like that. I like those two choices for sure. I definitely do. Um, I liked what you said earlier about Lazardo. You're high on Lazardo this year, which that would be absolutely amazing. Um, Edward Cabrera, we talked about him um, getting that three spot. How do you think he, he pans out this year? I think he'll be good. I mean, honestly, just the way I, I he needs to stay healthy, and I, I would love to see him go deeper in the games. I don't think they'll get him deep in the games starting now. Obviously, I think he, the max he'll go probably his first start is five innings, maybe even six. 
we've seen him go seven, but I want to see how he just fares the first time or two through the rotation. Obviously, I think he has a good chance to be an all-star this year. Him, Luzardo, and Sandy. If you had to choose three all-stars for the Marlins, I think it would be those three guys. But, I mean, obviously you have Jazz and other factors for the all-star game, but I think it'll be those three guys, to be honest with you. You just see Edward. He is so nasty, man. When you look at it, I've never seen him pitch in person. I'm going to thankfully go on Saturday and see him pitch in person for my first time ever. Finally, would be able to watch every Marlins pitcher in that rotation. But I'm very excited to see what Edward's got, man. Very young, very talented. He, I've heard the Sandy 2.0 um, comps, and I think they're pretty on point with that. I mean, just the way he goes about his routine. He works out with Sandy, him, Cueto, and Sandy the other day. Live stream on Instagram to work out. He was there. So it's it's very encouraging to see not only that, but just to see how his stuff has progressed. I'm excited as ever. Baseball's finally here. Opening day on Thursday. Marlins take on the New York Mets at Lone Depot Park. Kevin Burrell, thanks for joining me here today. It's a pleasure as always. Guys, follow him on Twitter, Kevin underscore Burrell, Marlins beat writer and reporter for Fish Stripes. He is, you could catch him time and time at Lone Depot Park, man. Follow his work. He does a phenomenal job. He's big on hey, uh, Lazardo this year. He's big on Gene Segura this year. He's got good expectations for Edward Cabrera and the rest of the guys. Listen, you you got me you got me pumped up, and I'm sure my listeners are pumped up as well. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Any any last words before we wrap up here? Man, just thank you for having me on. Um, I know it's been a tough year for the Heat. <laughs> Hopefully, this will cheer us up a little bit. Definitely. Um, and definitely gotta come back on. Gotta talk some Heat. Gotta talk some Dolphins, man. For you sure. know I love those teams too. I gotta show the love to those guys too. For sure, man. Listen, always a pleasure. Guys, once again, follow him on Twitter, Kevin underscore Burrell. Thanks for joining me, Kev. Have a good one. All right, so that's a wrap. Special, special shout out to Kevin once again. It's always a pleasure having him on. Talking some baseball, man. We're gonna talk some more baseball this season. Last season, I didn't quite, you know, follow up my end of the bargain there. Towards the beginning, I did, but kind of tailed off towards the tail end there. But we're talking Marlins. Hopefully, it's going to be an exciting season. Sandy, hopefully another great season ahead for him. Jazz Chisholm, as electric as he is, hopefully he does his thing out in center field. Listen, hope you guys enjoy opening day. Go Marlins. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Kevin. And I appreciate the support, as always, from all of you. Thanks for listening to the Miami Sports Vibes Podcast with Nando Diaz. Thank you.